0: Hello, hello, my dear audience. I'm Peter Resnick. And welcome to the Dr. Peter Resnick's toolbox. Just before this show, I had some leisure time and I went on Facebook, which I do very infrequently. And as I was scrolling down the page, I suddenly realized how many people are competing for my attention, promoting services, products, ideas. If you go on any media now, everybody is competing for your attention. And then I thought of you, my dear audience. How grateful I am to you and how honored I am by you trusting me with your time. That's the most precious thing we have, time. And I feel very responsible for what I do with this time that you are so graciously offering me. Once again, I'm recording this show at 1pm. So it would air at 2pm. And once again, I was told that by the end of this week, the system will finally operate. And this I heard now already from two sources. So hopefully it's true. And next week, I will be able to take your calls. I'm really looking forward to it. So please get ready. We'll have conversations on the air. But for now, I can still receive your emails. You can send me an email at drpeterreznik at gmail.com. D-R-P-E-T-E-R-R-E-Z-N-I-K at gmail.com. I know last week I told you that I would be talking about the next challenge from the five pillars of well-being that we've been working on for so long. The subject would be gossip. And I will talk about it. But first, I would like to share with you some thoughts and also respond to a couple of your emails. But these thoughts have been kind of bothering me uh, as I was thinking about this, this show. But for the last several days, week after week, I have been talking about different qualities we need to work on about self mastery, self healing, we spoke about night dreams. It's all very important. But at times I feel I'm not talking about the most obvious, and the most urgent. It's like, I am on a cruise ship, I was given an opportunity to talk. And I chose to talk about, let's say good manners, or Uh, communication skills. And suddenly we realize that the cruise ship is sinking. And I continue talking about good manners or communication skills. All these subjects that I talk to you about, I believe are very important, but we are in crisis. And I want at least to acknowledge this. The French say, you don't see the elephant in the corridor. I want to to acknowledge this elephant when I focused in my talks on health mental emotional spiritual well-being I was indeed what I call myself Dr Peter Resnick's toolbox because over the years I acquired a lot of tools which can help people to achieve and then maintain their well-being but what we are dealing with now in my beloved new home, America. I have no tools. I was totally unprepared for what I am witnessing happening. So I want to invite you, my dear unknown friends, to brainstorm with me. You know, in the past, when I, when I spoke, I had clear ideas of what I wanted to share with you. Uh, Whether it was about anxiety, guilt, uh, anger, I have the tools, but now I need your help. And I hope you also realize that we all need help. What can we do collectively to save this country from totalitarianism in which it is sinking day by day? Perhaps you will have ideas that i can air on this show but you may ask how do i know that there is indeed a crisis there are always problems in any society this i will tell you uh i felt not only uh, in the last few months and i'm not the only one who feels it any person who lived in the totalitarian oppressive regime, whether it was the Soviet Union, USSR, where I grew up and lived the first 26 years of my life, or it's North Korea, or Cuba, China, Venezuela, all people, all immigrants, and I, I have an opportunity to talk to different immigrants, uh, all these people recognize that something is happening. We, we have this inner, I can call it shit detector, we begin to sense because we grew up in these regimes, where you have to constantly uh, check what they say, and read between the lines. And of course, you don't trust what they say, because you know, what one thing they say, and another thing you see right in front of you. And it's all lies that they're telling you. So propaganda, because life is so different, and uh, because we were exposed to these lies, uh, we learned, I would say, critical thinking to detect lies. It comes from inside. So when we look at people like, I don't know, like Nancy Pelosi, Maxine Waters, Chuck Schumer, all this kneeling when when it when it's attractive to certain people that they try to conquer and and to to pull to their side uh, to deceive we know they're hypocrites they don't care about anyone except power there are of course people in the united states who speak the truth but these if you notice are people who have decades of experience of critical thinking they didn't start with political critical thinking they just developed a muscle of polit- of, of critical thinking dealing with interestingly with health of exposing lies in the health arena people like gary Nall, joseph mercola mike adams peter bragan Pam popper uh, robert Yoho, m- many others but not too many but these are people uh, they started decades ago and they noticed that there are lies around they noticed that pharmaceutical companies uh, or uh, chemical companies are poisoning people pharmaceutical companies enslaving people promoting drugs people who who take drugs need to continue drugs they, they become dependent on medication. These pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical companies sponsor medical schools. They're not interested in you getting better. They're interested in you continue taking medications. So people who recognized it years, decades ago, developed this ability to look and see bullshit, see lies, see p- hypocrites. So. Right now, I'm not talking about uh, something that, that may happen. It's happening right now. This country is sinking in into this pit where more and more control is exhibited by some groups over other groups and my concern is a big big concern is that those who are trying to control or those who uh, are on the side of what Biden is doing and Nancy Pelosi uh, some some are hypocrites like the leaders but many people are good people they just don't realize what's going on and again Uh, I think that many Americans don't know history, don't know what happened in in Nazi Germany or in the Soviet Union, the times of Stalin. And right now, it's now a time to wake up. You know, there is a saying, there are no atheists in the hospital. People suddenly begin to pray and say, God, help me. I will start believing if you help me. I think this is the time for us now. We are in big crisis. And we meet, need to make a plea. And we know that when there is a communal plea, and the reason I'm talking about this plea is because that's all I know. That's that's one hope I have. Yeah, I know there are there are people like uh, Dr. Pipter Bragan and his book "Covid-19: Global Predators" gives ideas of how to resist this. Uh, Global predators. We are not talking about now on the American predators, on the American uh, establishment that and, and technocrats who are trying to take control of America. We are talking about the whole world being a subject to global elite that is trying to control the world. So there is very little we can do because they have the money they have the power but what we can do is not on the outside but the inside and the inside does work i will tell you why i talk about the plea Uh, in 1976 uh, maharisha yogi introduced transcendental meditation the program demonstrated that the influence of this coherence and positivity in social and natural environment generated significant changes in the community. Uh, And and this experiment was duplicated in many different countries. When people meditated, a certain group, I believe it was uh, 10% of 1%, one of a 1000 people in town would meditate at the same time, the crime rate would go down, violence rate would go down. We need people to appeal to God in whatever way God is understood, to appeal, to plead how, that the best for the community, for America and for the world would manifest itself. God knows what is the best. Yes, there are concrete actions that can be taken, and that is not resisting, uh, for example, vaccination, which is really now how we're learning how harmful it is. Resisting uh, social order that they they, all, they suggest. Uh, resisting buying into these stories that uh promoted it on, on television on every possible media but it's not enough i think that we need the inner change we need all to connect and yes pray how to pray in any way we can there is actually a story about uh, a rabbi of kotsk who was sitting with his students, three of his students. And he said, where is God? And one student pointed to the sky. And the other student pointed to holy books. And the third student pointed to his heart. And the rabbi said, God is where you let him in. So whether it is for you uh, connecting with God through, connecting with nature, walking into the beach, uh, walking out to the beach, walking to uh, into a forest, or sitting in meditation or prayer. We all need to choose time, time when you wake up and pray for this country and for the world to be healed, to be freed from totalitarian control, That's all, in any way you can, in any language you can. I know it sounds almost incoherent what I'm saying. I just had to say it because I realized what something is going on and it's not getting better. Uh, are, I hear different uh, congressmen, uh, congresswomen, uh, senators speak, they resist, they, they, criticize Biden what is happening it's not Biden it's not just Biden it's the whole world now is in crisis and the, the crisis is between good and evil it's so interesting that now right now we read the Bible and we are on fifth uh, book of Moses it's called Deuteronomy And we just read the portion where it's written, here before you there is good and evil, life and death. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. And I don't know any other way or or more powerful way than our inner connectedness between people who know exactly what I'm talking about. All we need to do is to sit quietly whether in meditation or prayer, and think of all these invisible strings, all these invid- invisible lights that connect all of us, all people who want to live in freedom, and then praying to whatever you call it, God, uh, super whole being, one mind asking for help. That's, that's, I don't know if it makes much sense to you, it makes sense to me, because uh, I think that just logistical, just protests, even protests now, uh, if, if the President of the United States could be uh, treated the way he was with this, at at his mention, uh, then we we don't have much power. Anybody can be put in jail, anybody can be arrested, anybody can be canceled, it's a new culture. And so the only thing that we have is freedom of our thought and freedom to pray. So I invite you, everyone who is hearing me and everyone who can share these thoughts with others to pray every morning if if the a lot of critical mass, and as I said, um, the Maharisha effect demonstrated, I believe it's ten percent of one percent. One of a thousand people is praying at the same time, have clear intention of what they' are asking for. There is a positive change that is happening. And now, let me go back to something that I know better to talk about. Uh, and that is health, physical and emotional health, well-being. And before again, I go, I go to the subject of today, I want to answer some of your emails. Uh, there is one email I received. A person wrote, uh, how do you deal with chronic pain? Well, I'm sorry, you did not write what kind of pain you deal with so i will talk in general about pain in particular maybe uh backache a lot of people are suffering from backache uh unless it's a pain in a particular organ then then you possibly have some illness but my my feeling i got is that it's general like fibromyalgia so uh, there is a book written by dr john Sarner mind over back, mind over back pain. It was written recently, uh, but he started his journey of dealing with backache uh, maybe 20, 22 years ago. Uh, and the idea of this doctor, and he's a physician, but his idea is that the pain is a source, is, is a consequence of anger that we hold on to and i've spoken to a number of people who swear by his technique basically if in fact um, his books now are audio books and you can listen and some people just listening to his talks uh, claim that the pain disappeared i i don't believe that only anger causes pain in fact the word pain comes that has two explanations two two meanings one uh, in sanskrit pain means purification and in old english pane uh, means punishment so in a way uh, you can choose whatever explanation fits you more in uh, sometimes i believe it is we are punishing ourselves uh, because Anger that is not expressed turns against oneself. And, and at the same time, pain can be purification and we grow through pain. So, but my experience, uh, at times, it's not only pain, but uh, not only anger, but fear of uh, being constricted. Sometimes uh, pain is uh, carrying a heavy load of your life. So I've seen many people suffering from pain. Uh, Basically, when when doctors say you have fibromyalgia, uh, they're just trying to use medical term for something they don't understand because fibrum simply means muscle and myalgia is pain. So basically you say, uh, I have pain in my muscles. And they say, oh, you have pain in your muscles. It's called fibromyalgia. It's the same. But they don't know the origin of pain. But Dr. Sarno, I think, is on something that I believe is true, and that is that there is a direct connection between our inner life, our emotional life, uh, and in our physical body. So what is Sarno's idea of how to alleviate pain? Basically, is not to judge it, not to resist the pain to accept that it's a message with that I agree. Uh, If you experience pain, you just allow yourself to feel that pain. Go inside, if you if you are experiencing pain now, uh, you can do it with me. In fact, just wherever you feel pain, close your eyes, become aware of that part of your body where you feel pain. Just keep focusing. Don't resist. Welcome it. And now, acknowledge that this pain is a messenger. Acknowledge that it's telling you about something and just listen to the message. The message can come as verbal message or as images. That area where you feel pain will become a screen. And on the screen you will see a movie or images. Again, don't judge them. Just acknowledge that. And then you can open your eyes. If you receive the message, if let's say you saw the object of your anger, if it is anger or fear, just acknowledge that you're going to act upon it. Now, how are you going to act? Let's say it's anger. What can you do if you're indeed angry and you discover that this this pain is coming from anger? Uh, as Buddha said, being angry at someone is like grabbing a handful of hot coals to throw at them, whose hand burns first. So when you are angry at someone, you are the one who is suffering. You are the one who is paying the price. And you can say, well, how can you be not angry when you are mistreated? Well, that takes us to on a whole journey of accepting responsibility. That is acknowledging that whatever makes you angry, or whoever acts in a way that you feel anger is not there by a chance in your life. If you look If you accept the idea that nothing happens by a chance, and again, you don't need to take my word for it, Uh, just experiment with it. You know, major spiritual traditions teach just that, that whatever comes in our life is a projection of our inner beliefs, our inner life. So if something comes that triggers our anger, we are creators of those circumstances. We had to acknowledge what those circumstances are and to decide how we would to act upon it, but to decide it with gratitude, saying, yes, this is in my life. Let's say somebody is mistreating you. If somebody is mistreating you, it means deep inside, you permit yourself, you feel like a victim. So you don't need to resent that person. Because that person is a messenger. That that's how you feel about yourself. So you need to work on yourself and acknowledge that you are free. You are not a victim. You are proud of who you are, because who you are is a final result of a lot of, lot of, a lot of uh, experiences that you had in your life. You could not be anybody else, but who you are right now. It's all based on your past experiences. And whatever you have become now, you can be only who you are, not anybody else. The only thing that you can change is what you do in the next moment. If you're not happy with with the consequence of all your work from the past, or belief systems that you arrived to this at this moment change them. That is you simply state, I choose to be that and that and you may make a clear statement, and then begin to live it. That is don't just choose, but act the way you want to live your life, the want the way you want to be perceived and you, what you will find this that will become your reality. Uh, if, if it's a difficult process for you. If it's even difficult for you to conceive being uh, free or being anger free or being powerful, then you need to, again, to start changing your perception from the inside. Because your conscious mind may be uh, brainwashed or you may have this concept of yourself uh, being imposed by the outside, whether it's your education, your parents, and so on. So then you need to begin to cultivate the inner image of yourself being free, and that you close your eyes and see yourself being the best of who you can be. It doesn't matter where you are now. You just breathe out one time, and see from chaos coming a perfect image of you. And once you have that image that you would be proud of, mentally, with your right hand, move the image to the right side, and then open your eyes. And you do it for 21 days. Cultivate that new image of yourself. For a person who is free of anger, free of constriction, or free of carrying a heavy load. Because remember, that's another reason people feel pain, they feel that the load is too heavy, it's all on them. Before you begin to to unload yourself logistically in your everyday life, I'm saying, begin to do it in your inner life, see yourself dropping the load. If that is if if that was is happening in your life. If it's not anger, it's just carrying uh, too heavy of a burden. And very often it's both. You know, you carry the burden and you're angry about it. So anything you want to manifest in your everyday life, you start with the inner image. See yourself feeling free. See yourself dancing. See yourself uh, being happy and you practice usually for 21 days, cultivate this image, every day, two minutes, every morning, then you will begin to notice changes in your outside life. Now, uh, another exercise I would like to give you for anger. If you're angry at yourself or somebody else, don't go into details why you're angry. Anger is your capacity to feel anger. If you feel anger, it means you have the capacity to feel anger. So what you want to do is to get rid of that capacity, then you will not have people coming into your life that will confirm and reinforce your capacity for anger. So if you experience anger, think about that anger, once again, Uh, close your eyes, And identify where that anger is in your body. And then go inside of your anger, in any way you can imagine. And sit inside of it. Feel the full force of anger around you. See now this anger expanding in all directions surrounding you, moving all the way to their boundaries. Mm -hmm. Now, using your will and imagination, move out of the anger far enough so that you could look at this anger from the distance and say to yourself in your mind, this, whatever it is, is not I. This is my creation. And what you can create, you can uncreate. So you can do whatever you want with that thing that you just left, that anger. You can sink it in the ocean. You can have it being taken by the wind. You can burn it in fire. You can bury it in the earth. And then place into newly vacated space something beautiful and then open your eyes. So these are a couple of exercises for pain, basically. And whether it's anger or fear, I gave you examples with anger, but it can be fear or being overwhelmed. All these feelings may create pain. And the only way you will know whether or not it's true is if you try. If you feel pain, it's an easy, all these exercises that I teach, they two, one, two minutes. Try, try for three days. And if you see even a little shift, try for seven days, and then do it for 21 days, and you will learn that you will actually get rid of anger. You can still act, you you need logistics, you need to take action, you need to better your situation, but you will begin to do it without anger, without resentment. Now, the second email I received, um, why, is correct, why is correction necessary in a night dream? Isn't the dream just telling us of what is and for us to understand where we are in life? Yes, it is true. The dream, one of the levels of the dream, for understanding of the dream, is understanding where we are in life. But also the dream is a blueprint. It's like it's reflective of where we are, but it is also uh, the beginning. It's a birthplace of the next episode of your life, next moment of your life. So the question is, do you want something that is negative if you near a dream? to be the blueprint for your today for your tomorrow. It's very important that you chart that's the beauty of our night dreams that we not only can understand where we are, but we are able from the inside to change our outside to change what is yet to come. Something comes to my mind now. I remember working many years ago with a gentleman who had lung cancer, and uh, I remember his eight or nine-year-old daughter came with him, and, you know, lung cancer, 90% of people with lung cancer die, only 10% survive. So, I, at that time, I was working at the Shakta Center for Complementary Medicine. And this girl walked over to me, took my hand, and said, you are, you are my daddy's doctor, right? And I said, Yes, I was to see him. And she said, I know you will help him. Please, please, I love him so much. Mm, okay. So, and he and I started working. We were trying to understand the meaning of his illness. I was teaching him exercises to stimulate his immune system. And then one day, he brought a dream, and he was not doing well. He was getting liatril intravenous, you know, uh, which in our center they gave to to treat cancer with high doses of vitamin C, but he was not doing well. And then he brings this dream, which kind of scared me a little bit because I felt that he is ready to to go Uh, and the dream was that he uh, he was in the elevator and the elevator brought him to uh, floor 16 16th floor and he walked out and couldn't walk and just was sliding along the wall and closed his eyes and then when he woke up. So he told me about this dream, and in numerology, and I find that numbers are very, very accurate, ref, um, reflecting what's happening inside. As my teacher said, um, a number is like a dream within the dream. And number 16 is death of all numbers. And so he's on 16th floor. So to me, the message was that he was ready to die. So what do you do? you know, and if if I tell him, oh, change the number, go to another floor, that will be artificial. It comes from me. It means there is no call from the inside for change. So all I can do is to encourage him. And so I remember I told him, would you like to explore the dream? And he said, yeah, maybe I'm so tired, it's hard for me to do any mental exercise. So I said, okay. so." Uh, see if you want to do something just go back to the elevator and again this man did not know anything about the meaning of numbers by the way the meaning of number 18 is life I know it sounds like all magical because what, what numbers have to do with a person's life and death but indeed as I said it's super powerful the only way you will know if, if it is true, is if you begin, you read my article on Night Dreams and I give you the the meaning of numbers and you will see how they apply to your life, how they're reflecting what's happening in your life. Anyway, so I asked him if he wanted to explore, uh, uh, use his ele- the elevator to explore what's in the building. And he says, well, I will go to 18th floor. Now I encouraged him to explore, and he chose 18th floor. And so the elevator takes him up, and it's a building, uh, like office building. And the elevator doors open, and I say, so what do you see? And he says, I see a door. I say, do you want to open the door? You see what's inside? And he opened the door, and he says, oh, that's strange. It's my daughter's room. And that moment I thought, This man chose life because of his daughter. That's all I needed to do is to encourage him, to remind him that he has choices to explore, and he chose his daughter's room. Remember, this is his consciousness. Why did his daughter's room come up? Not not some kind of office uh, room, Not, not somebody else's house wide the daughter's room and so i said what do you want to do he said i want to come and rest and he walked into the room closed the door said he, he wants to sit there and be quiet and so i knew that something good happened anyway after the after the session we had a few more sessions he felt more or less uh a little bit better he was taking supplements and he started feeling just a little better and then i'm not sure what happened because he stopped seeing me and uh years passed and i then was leaving the place um, the shakta center after uh, seven or eight years and i came across the chart of this man and suddenly i felt, had this this impulse to make a call I remember when when I saw him, it was like seven years before, so the girl was uh, eight or nine years old. So I'm calling, and suddenly, while I'm making this call, I realized, like, why I'm calling? What will I say? Will I say, is, is this man alive? Like, look how awkward it is. And before I know it, you know, they tell, somebody picks up the phone and I hear this, young girl, but already not a child saying hello. And I say, I first caught my breath. And then I say, "Uh, this is Peter Resnick. And the girl says, oh, daddy, this is Peter Resnick. Remember your doctor, he wants to talk to you. And I, I realized he was alive and we had a very nice talk. And he told me the whole story, how he was getting better. And then they moved uh, to Germany, they had special treatment and so on. And and to make a long story short, he happened to be among 10% of those who did survive lung cancer. But I believe that 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 choice within the dream, what he made the choice to go to a different floor, floor 18, he chose life. So that's, that's a long answer to your question, why it's important to correct. If there is something that is not favorable, something is not ending well, you have to make a correction. It may be a matter of life and death. Now, finally, finally we are coming back to the subject that I intended to bring up today. We are still, if you remember where it belongs, the subject of gossip, we are still on the fifth pillar of well-being. Soon we'll be finished. A few more subjects and we'll be finished. Right now, what we're dealing with is our conscious thoughts, attitudes, and character traits. And as I've been speaking all already now for more than a year and a half, how we are in life, how we are emotionally, uh, mentally affects our physical well-being, not by a chance that the father of Western medicine, Hippocrates, 2400 years ago said, I would rather know what sort of a man has a disease than what sort of a disease a man has. So he understood that our mental and emotional and spiritual, uh life has a direct impact on our physical symptoms. So, and different character traits uh, don't allow us to live fully, don't allow us to live a life of, of energy flowing in or without energy flowing out. You maybe heard me speak about it before, and it's not not my idea, so I have to give give it the credit to for this analogy to my nephew Vlad Vladimir Angert, who explained what happens with our energy, uh, that we are uh, a depository of energy. We, we're receiving energy from, call it from God, from from the source of all being energy is called you know, by East Indians Prana, by the Chinese Chi and in by Judaism, uh, Ruch, the spirit, we're receiving that energy and Vlad suggested to, to imagine this energy receiver as a as a battery, and we get exactly the amount of energy we need to sustain our life. But then imagine Uh, you are resentful of someone. So you have a battery of anger. So now you have a cable going from your battery, feeding that cable of anger, of being angry at someone, holding someone responsible uh, for your misery. Then uh, you have another battery, guilt, some thoughts about the past, some regrets, now energy is leaking into another battery. And then uh, greed. You want something. You want more. You want to experience more and more. You want to, to be intoxicated. You want to use drugs to get yourself to another state. Or you want more money or your desire. So that's another cable that takes your energy. Not allowing you to leave in the moment. So that's why, when I talk about these character traits, uh, and of course, to finish the thought about the batteries, so depleting your energy, depleting your battery, that's why and when our battery is depleted, that's when we become sick. So that's why the purpose of dealing with this fifth pillar of well being is to identify all the traps, all the negative inclinations. It's not that, you know, by now, I've already spoke about 17 or 18 different problems, like, like doubt, expectation, uh, worry, anger, guilt, and so on. And not that you are suffering from all of them. But I'm sure that many, including me can identify that you can relate to one of those like judgment, or worry you know that's that's my thing i'm i'm trying not to but you know i'm a parent so periodically i get trapped into these concerns about my children because they're in different places they're studying how they're doing is everything okay and so on that's my weakness the worry. uh but somebody else may have other issues and so that's why i go through all possible all possible uh, call it. Uh, I used to call them uh, plagues, but my students said don't use them plagues Don't use the term because people will not want uh, want to listen to. You. So basically, all these qualities need to be uh, overcome one way or another. So gossip is one of them. Gossip is Kind of almost universal problem. Meaning, i like give you an example: the Talmud, which is really a book of wisdom, uh, written two thousand years ago by by sages. And they say there is a the statement in Talmud: uh, majority of people fall into a trap of money. Majority, it may be. 51% over 49%. But majority fall for money, which means for one, at one point or another, they kind of sell themselves out uh, because of of greed. Then majority of people fall for sex. Again, when they speak about sex, they're not talking about promiscuity. and They're talking about possibly having your eyes wander and look at where you're not supposed to look. So majority fall for sex, majority fall for for money. All people are guilty in gossip. That's what Talmud says. All people, which means 100%, every single person. And gossip is something so special, it's so, so unhealthy. You know the expression these days, there is an expression, people of high intelligence speak about ideas, people of average intelligence speak about events and people of low intelligence speak about other people. So what let's let's look as scientists and gossip, what it does to you why people gossip and what to do not to gossip if we identify that it's not good. Uh, I decided to look for help in my exploration of gossip, I went on internet read some articles, I borrowed ideas from uh, Jack Sheffer, PhD, in psychology today, uh, from Jenny Davis, who is a sub editor and staff writer of learning mind and uh, from RT uh, from the magazine all women's talk. So I will be using their ideas and also what I learned from my personal experience, my practice about gossip. So why do people gossip? What purpose does it serve? Uh, is there a type of a person who gossips Can gossip be good for anyone? And what can we do to avoid gossip, or uh, hearing gossip or gossiping. So let's first talk about motivations for gossip. Uh, There are in fact, many motivations, like uh, some I knew and some I really learned from these authors, some people gossip to seek revenge. That's, that's, that's quite common. People who don't like uh, a person will typically seek out other people who share mutual dislike for the same person. A subsequent conversations of negative evaluations of that person. Uh, but most of the time when people gossip, uh, uh, it's enjoyable for them because it gives them the sense of power like they get back to a person, at, at this person. Gossiping gives people a sense of this uh, control. In fact, the uh, research demonstrates that gossip is emotionally rewarding. After gossiping, people actually feel better. Uh, but I, I, my comment would be to someone, says so like, yes, after I spoke about somebody, particularly somebody that I don't like, It feels better, and I will say, listen, uh, if you would take something that doesn't belong to you, but you'll want it, it would also feel better, but you're a thief. After hitting somebody over the head, would also feel better if you're angry at them, but you don't want to do violence. So just because something feels better, it's not justifiable to do it but but that's one of the reason uh, one of the reasons people feel mm-hmm. gossip the other reason is they spread social information that is questionable uh, even though from spiritual perspective any gossip is not uh, not good but if it is accurate information it's your responsibility if let's say a person is doing a very bad work, job, uh, whether he's fixing your shoes or your watch or selling diamonds or uh, I don't know, selling books, uh, if they are not honest and you have proved to it and you know that somebody is going to deal with, it, with the person, so it's your responsibility to share if you want to be not all that negative and honest because you always have to give benefit of doubt. You can say, This has been my experience, but I don't know how this person is now. So then you'd leave it to the person that you're talking to to decide how they want to deal with information. Another reason people gossip is, is to to feel part of a group. Humans are social animals. So they live in groups. And how do we maintain our position in the group? By uh, having information, having power. Because our power, information is power, and we assert our place because we uh, assert our belonging by having information and sharing with others. The feeling of belonging, by the way, is is a very important uh, feeling. Dr. Glasser, William Glasser, identifies the need to belong as one of the primary needs of all human beings. And so when we have information and we share with the rest, we feel that we are members of the group and, we, and the group is benefiting from it. And unfortunately, sometimes we share information that is not necessary at all. Uh, but we do it because it makes us feel like belonging. You always have to ask yourself, what is the purpose of me sharing? That's, uh, that's an important thing to be aware of. If you want to start working on weeding out your need to to gossip, what is the purpose? what I'm trying to accomplish by sharing this information. And you may find that once you are clear, uh, that why you're doing it, you you don't need to do it. Because it, you may find that you're putting yourself in unfavorable situation, we'll talk, I I don't see that, I don't think that we'll be able to talk about it today. But we'll talk about how to stop gossiping, and uh, one of the ways is to, to to realize that actually, it's not only harmful to a person who you're gossiping about, but it's harmful to you. Um, another reason for gossiping is to feel superior to others. Um, when you say something negative about another person, particularly if you're not crazy about this person, it diminishes them and it boosts your own ego, makes you feel better about yourself. I, I identified it as, as a kind of diagnostic criteria that American Psychiatric situation, uh, Association would not accept. Uh, but, but nevertheless, it's called small dick syndrome. Um, and it, it's not only about men, but it's about women. Meaning when a person feels small, person who doesn't feel good about oneself, by tearing down somebody else makes them feel better. But remember, you are simply diminishing yourself while doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you deprive yourself of the opportunity to grow. Rather than tearing somebody down, build yourself up. Recognize your own value. Uh, another reason for gossiping is, of course, to relieve boredom and another reason is envy i don't have time now to talk about um ways to overcome all of those impulses and the reasons for gossiping but we'll talk about it next time and hopefully next time i will be able to take your calls so be ready please to call uh maybe this is not that important that we're talking about gossiping maybe you by now it's been two months that we haven't spoken that you have some uh, interesting questions, and you want us to have discussions on other issues. Please uh, be with me. Uh, I'm looking forward to having your attention next week at two o'clock. Hopefully it will be live show. And for now be happy and peace to all who want to live in peace.